You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remsa Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. yourself you're on the run with remzo w martinez brian the last time we had you on the show we were talking about aliens with our good friend gary collins how has your journey into believing ufos affected every other aspect of your life including your new (laughs) which may or may or not may or may not be related to it but i mean we might as well just ask the question off the bat what kind of question is that? Like, oh, did it affect impacted. you? Like, has it, it changed you? Well, no, it you? has. Okay, let's be real. Okay, it has. But I just love that that was the premise of the question. It's like, how has it changed your entire way of doing things? Well, it I guess it kind If of it has. hasn't changed everything, has it changed... I mean, if it hasn't I mean, changed everything, has it really changed anything? It's been enlightening as my... Oh, it's reversed. Starns as educate, enlightened, and informed there behind me. But, I mean, literally, that is, like, one of the most enlightening things was to hear the conversation conversation from uh, Dr. Stephen Greer and going through all of these treasure troves of, of documents that have thus been, uh, after his documentary, were released by the government. And it's pretty much them just putting the cards on the table being like, yep, it's real. And now it's like the next, so without giving spoilers away, you're starting to see what he predicted would happen next starting to happen next now in terms of what is the happening next um i'm not gonna happening well (laughs) i'm not gonna give spoilers but yes things are happening you're seeing a response and the narrative being established in terms of if there is extraterrestrials well how will we greet them or how will they greet us will they be friendly or not and uh it, it kind of goes all hand in hand with the culmination of space force and then you you tie this with the greater liberty movement And this is where I kind of get excited because you see there is a correlation of 
this kind of greater awakening in this like accepting of there are things that we cannot explain beyond where we're from. And this idea of this innate sense of individual freedom, autonomy, liberty. You can't really speak it, but it's there, right? You you can't really put a, a word to exemplify exactly what it means for liberty, but people kind of understand it. And we really saw this with the lockdowns when liberty is curtailed, how there is just an in, in, innate drive in people to fight for liberty and to really go against those who are oppressing us. But it does require a fight. And I think we're starting to see across the board, more and more people are starting to wake up to the fact that we do need to fight for liberty or fight for this common understanding of this common consciousness, which is the overarching theme that you see throughout these different documentaries, unacknowledged and close encounters of the fifth kind, the idea of consciousness. Libertarians, I would say, are some of the most conscious people because we, we, we've we dug into the philosophy. We've dug into the externalities. Whenever somebody's like, well, who will build the roads? We all have a, a nice collective chuckle because we've thought about that question a bajillion times over. Um, and it does require us to kind of be on a certain level, but then it takes us where we have to take that next step. And I think going on to the level of actually getting beyond the, the group think and, and the, you know, reading about the books and such, and actually going out and talking to other people and getting, uh, getting our confines of real life experiences into their world. I think that's when we're going to start to see the, the bridging of the gap, but man, yeah. Aliens changed everything, dude. That is like the most mental gymnastic gymnastics answer I've ever heard in my life. Really? That, I thought that was really like good. All, it was really good, but it's okay. like all these different things. It's like, you know, we're talking about UFOs, collective well, yeah. consciousness, libertarianism. See, they that's how connect. we're starting. It's all connect. Yeah. <laughs> they all kind of connect. I, I feel like uh, Charlie from uh, Always Sunny, just just pulling the, the strings together behind me. Oh man, it's a weird time to be alive. It really I, is. I uh, I I wanna I wanna definitely narrow this back in. I'm so glad <laughs> we could start on that on that foot. Good to but, see you um, again, Remzo. Absolutely, it's been it's been far too long. Um, you know, it's it's uh it, it's it, I'm glad that we're finally like within the stages of this year where it's like the 2020 election feels like a million years ago. Yeah, even though it lasted like five thousand years, and it really did. Like it was awful. <laughs> Remember when it was like, you know, December 31st and we're like, who the fuck is president? Yep. It was, it was, yeah. it was weird. But now we're at this point where people are kind of starting to get out of their collective hangover. I don't know how it is in uh, Pennsylvania where you're at right now, but here in Wisconsin right now, people have basically just like given up on the, on, on any of the lockdown mandates, the mask mandates. I mean, they it all kind of ended, but like it took a week for people to be like, like, am I being punked or something? Like is Ashton Kutcher going to jump out and say six feet, bro. Like it, people have just initially calmed down and, and now, now they're starting to really reevaluate where we're going within, you know, our, our society in the next couple of years. And, and you've come out with your ebook. What's the title? Four easy steps you can implement now to help sell liberty to friends and family. Okay. You see, everything's in the title right there. This is a big culmination of everything that you've been doing over on your program, The Brian Nichols Show. It's what you've been talking to other people within our immediate liberty community for the past year. Yep. And it, I think it's a very necessary conversation because the, the what, what I dictate 
the current status of where we are in like the liberty sphere in terms of where people go to when they're trying to think of how do we resolve problems as a community. Uh, I go to Instagram because Instagram is a great indicator of where we are as a society. And now yeah. like, that says about us, but I follow that like hashtag everyday carry hashtag because I want to see what people do. And like, literally I didn't even realize it. I was watching, um, a Chelsea Manning TikTok where she's talking to her fellow comrades within the struggle about her everyday carry kit where Chelsea Manning is basically going through everything in her backpack. And basically like I'm looking at this and I'm like, one, I I respect your EDC. That's you're doing very well off that. Secondly, you're a batshit violent, crazy person who should have been executed when you were in jail. Just my opinion. And oh, my God, this is where people are getting their their inspiration from. This is where people are going to. This is where people are drifting towards a transgender communist who's also a traitor to the country. I know that's going to piss off a lot of libertarians, <laughs> but I still believe that Bradley should have been executed. Remzo was just reason. launching, launching, just, just launching it. But, you know, like I watched that and I'm just like, you know, you never randomly see a libertarian trending in something outside of what libertarians are paying attention to. And that was one of those moments where it was like, I would never look at anything that Chelsea Manning is doing if she didn't happen to jump on that hashtag and get so many people engaged. And it was just one of those things where I'm just like, that's how you do it. It's all of the culture. And I feel like, you know, libertarians almost as much as conservatives have almost given up on that route. I mean, I think somebody said being a conservative today is, um, you know, trying to raise your child traditionally, putting them through 12 years of conversation, putting them in college where they end up, I mean, putting them in 12 years of public education, sending them to a four-year university, and then when they come out a Marxist, writing a column for National Review about how we lost the culture war. And, you I know, remember that quote. That was a good yeah, quote, yeah. Yeah, like I, I look at that, and I'm just like, you know what, though? Like that's, that's shockingly accurate. So to kind of jump into it, what is the intention of the book? What do you wish to get out of it? And where do you see yourself maybe a year or so after you've kind of pushed it out to people and expect to see, okay, did, did it make a positive impact? Do yep. I, am I seeing the results I wanted to see? So you framed a, a part of this uh, earlier. How do we resolve problems? And that was one of the largest problems identified in the greater liberty movement as that we as a collective movement, but also as individual candidates have done a less than, uh, I would say less than admirable job in effectively trying to sell our ideas to our average person in our lives. So when you think about what type of influence are you going to have when you're trying to change things in society, the the most, I'd say the most easy and effective means is to focus on your immediate circle. So focusing on your friends, focusing on your family, focusing on your coworkers, the friends that you see at the barbecue, whatever it may be, but entering into conversations to the point you were raising that they're already having. So look at the past year and a half. We all just went through this insane lockdown across the country. Now some states had it better than others. And let's maybe focus on those states when we're having these conversations but enter into conversations with your, your friends, your family, and start with step one was to ask better questions. I think that's maybe where we have really dropped the ball because we want to tell people what we know instead of trying to figure out what people are really wanting and what problems they see in their immediate circles that they need to have solved. So 
my goal, Remzo, is to have a community of libertarians in the next year or so who are better at helping solve the immediate problems in their circles by asking better questions, by helping peak interest, by helping offer better solutions and overcoming objections to liberty. That's how we're going to actually get people to not necessarily jump on board with libertarianism. They, they don't necessarily need to know all the books. They don't need to know Rothbard or Hayek. It's okay if they don't. But what we want them to do is appreciate libertarian solutions. Libertarian solutions will impact them right now in their immediate lives. And that is where we will make a difference. When we have them starting to live their lives as libertarians, not realizing that, oh, this is the stuff that Rothbard or Hayek or, or Mises talked about, or for my you know more conservative friends, let's go you know Hayek, or not Hayek, I'm a Friedman or somebody like that, right? But they're gonna be living the life Talking about school choice, talking about you know states where they don't have income tax or or states that didn't lock down, right? Let's focus on the top of mind issues from a liberty perspective and get real solutions into our communities now. And I've used the example in Philadelphia throughout the entire pandemic. I watched as in behind my house, I have a shared access point where the city has a monopoly on the trash collection. And through around, I would say mid-July or so. Around three or four weeks went by where trash just piled up as the trash collection crews couldn't go through to pick up trash. And it was inherently obvious that the main fault of this was the inability for the city to effectively plan to have a trash collection crew go through and adapt throughout the pandemic. Why? Because there's no incentive structure for them to do so. They're not going to lose business because they have the monopoly on the entirety of the business by the very nature that the city has the monopoly on trash collection. So what happens? The, the person who lives next door to me on all sides are having their trash pile up. This is an issue that's impacting my community right now. So I was reaching out to different elect or candidates who are running in the local Philadelphia area saying, this should be one of the top of mind issues. Getting, you know, right, go right now, go take pictures in behind homes and such of the trash piling up. Raise this up as an issue because people are mad and it's happening again right now for whatever reason. So we're seeing this right now and I'm doing the same thing, encouraging people to get involved. Why? It's top of mind issue. And we can now enter into saying, here's the problem that we can identify. And here's where we can go through and solve the problem, right? And that's where when we become the trusted advisor, they'll start to come back to us time and again on other problems and other issues they need solved in their immediate circles because we did them right on the issue that was top of mind when it was the most important. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it takes a large degree of proactive behavior. Um, one reason why I stopped affiliating with any of the gun organizations in Virginia is because I always felt like they were a day late and dollar short to the dance. Mm. And what you had was you had our local governments always, it was always like after the election, they would go ahead and, you know, like in my area, you can't carry, uh, you know, a concealed carry weapon into any public building and you can't do it in certain areas. So basically they're trying to create these giant gun free zones. Well, they're not trying to, they did. They, they are. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Arlington, Alexandria region outside of DC where you always had the most shootings and it, you know, it always bothered me that these people were like, we're going to go ahead and have a rally and we're going to show up and yell at them and let them know that we, the people. And it's like, motherfucker. Then what? 
By the time you showed up, it's like you think they care? No. You're, they're going to listen to you complain for three hours. And, and it's not done. Gonna be yeah. Like the vote is there. Like you're, you're a day late and dollar short to the dance. And with libertarians, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of like – Rain Man syndrome, where we want to kind of talk about all these different things, and you know, as much as I want, to, <laughs> as much as I want to talk about aliens here, I understand that there's a time and a place for it. I Rain can't Man get, syndrome, that's fantastic. It, it, oh, like that, that will that will that will offend all the right people. They'll be like, yeah, you know what? That's a dick answer, but like I agree with. But you. it's so but it's true so, because yeah. think about it. I've and I oh god, Remzo, I've had some some winners <laughs> on for my my candidate highlight series and some. Fa- I, I go back and listen to some of the past episodes I've had with some candidates, and I'll be like, what's what's the top issues for your campaign? My man, they will go through a fucking list of like gonna, 30 I'm, things. As, as county commissioner, I will bring back the troops. And it's I, like, I, I, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what, OK. And, and you're going to improve our foreign relations. You have a stance on North Korea. I'm like, I don't care. like this doesn't matter to like your their local position. What are you doing? And, and that has been one of the biggest problems has been the fact that, yes, we do have this rain man syndrome where we want to go ahead and focus on 35,000 different things because we just it goes back to we had this incessant need to tell people what we know. And I get it because it's an exciting idea, this idea of liberty. We want to share it. It, it It's exciting because we, we got excited about it. We know that other people get excited about it when they figure it out. But you have to meet people where they're at. You can't force feed it down their throats because it will turn them off. And, and then at that point, they no longer won't just not be a market for us, but they'll they'll actually advocate against us. You don't want to be the annoying sales guy who calls the person every single day. Hey, do you want to buy yet? No. Okay. Bye. Hey, do you want to buy yet? No. Okay. Bye. If you do that every single day, guess what? They're never going to buy. But if you become that trusted advisor, start to enter into the conversations and the problems that you know that people like them are currently experiencing, that is when you'll be able to start to solve the problems more specific to them. But it starts with us actually asking them, what is your problem? Figure it out by having them tell you. When you ask people what's wrong, surprisingly enough, Remzo, they're going to tell us. It's shocking, I know, but people like to complain. Uh, you know, whenever somebody's like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I could complain, but you know, would anybody care? No, but people do want to complain. So when you're trying to sell them on stuff, hear what the complaints are, because that's the problems they're experiencing. And they're opening up to you to give you the keys to solve that problem. And if you actually are a good salesperson and you're listening to the actual root of the problem that they're presenting to you, then you have a great chance to build a lifelong ally. And actually, it's funny, Chris Goizetta, he's my uh, my marketing guru, and we were doing some um, shows here on the, the Brian Nichols show every, uh, every other week or so, Marketing Mondays. And we just talked about this, creating the super fan. If you create your super fan, then number one, they will be coming back time and again to, you know, to ask you, what it is that, you know, here's the libertarian solution to whatever problem it is I see in my circle, but they will become your marketing department. They will go out of their way to actively tell their friends, their family, their coworkers about this awesome new idea of liberty and this awesome new person that they have now become the trusted advisor for them. And they want that person to be the trusted advisor for their friends and family. It, it goes hand in hand, but you have to actually enter in to show you care about the issues they see in their circle of influence first and make sure that when you are meeting them where they're at, you're solving those specific problems, not the problems you think they have, but the problems that they're presenting for you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I and I do truly mean this. I do think that you're becoming kind of like the Dave Ramsey of the libertarian movement. Because <laughs> what what is no like? Hear me out. What is what what is Dave Ramsey extremely good at doing? Getting people out of debt. He zeroed in on the one thing that affects everybody, regardless of race, sex, religion, where you are geographically. He is zoned in on that. And whether you like his Christian conservative beliefs or anything else, doesn't matter. What nobody can deny, if you're having a problem building wealth and getting out of debt, you go to Dave Ramsey. No one will ever argue with him on that. And with what you just covered, I mean, you know, I, I had, you know, a large Rain Man phase myself. Some people would still say I do bring up aliens and financial advice in the same episode typically. But like when I, my first campaign I ever got involved in when I was, uh, you know, a young libertarian party member was for a House of Delegate race in Virginia. And I went like balls to the walls like schizo on some of this stuff. I, I was writing our candidates uh, platform and I had everything down from like abolishing the income tax, like setting up a gold reserve. So like <laughs> stuff that no one gave a shit about. I'm like, we have to have a stance on everything. And then what we did positively, because this helped us out in the long run, once we actually started canvassing neighborhoods and talking to people, I had to sit down with my candidate and we were both like, we got to scrap all of that. And we got to just focus on the immediate need. And for our district, the immediate need became four things. Um, affordable housing. How are we going to provide a free market solution to alternative housing? What are we going to do about the rampant increase in toll roads and everything else? Uh, what are we going to do about eminent domain and civil asset forfeiture? Which, I mean, the whole civil asset forfeiture movement actually started in Fairfax County, Virginia, because the Fairfax County Police Department seized a slushy machine. And they never returned the slushy machine. So like it was those things where it was like, you know, if we could talk to people just about those things, at least, you know, let them know that we care about it, they'll listen to us. Not a lot of people agreed with us on our solutions, but they at least like now they were actively willing to listen. If I had just said, let's legalize cocaine, like they'd be like, dude, fuck off my lawn. But like that actually helped us get more opportunities to talk with people, get in front of more voters. And it helped us. We, we came in third place, but we had like a 7% spread. Right. That had never been seen before that. And we forced the Republican and the Democrat not only to make a statement on their stance on those issues, but when the Democrat ended up winning that delegate seat, he called my candidate and asked for advice on how to vote on a civil asset forfeiture bill. There you go. And he actually voted for reform. Now, it didn't pass. No, but we but actually convinced did it. him to do it like that. That's, was the, It was amazing. Win. That's a win. Because you just create a trusted advisor. Think about this, right? Look at uh, Governor DeSantis. Um, don't care if you're a libertarian who loves him or hates him. I don't care. If you look at what he did for Florida, was that an objective good during yeah. COVID? Without a doubt, right? How did Governor DeSantis become Governor DeSantis? You know what it was? School choice. School choice was the reason that Governor DeSantis is Governor DeSantis. Because in Florida? In Florida. Because what happened was... In 2018, Governor DeSantis was actually facing a very, very hotly contested race between himself and Andrew Gillum. And Gillum was actually leading in the polls at the time. And what happened was Gillum had not really taken a position on school choice, but he ended up being against school choice. So the marketing team that was contracted for Ron DeSantis' uh, campaign made that one of the top of mind issues 
because they knew that school choice already being in place in Florida at the time was already impacting and helping so many families, right? And we'll say in this case, it would be an overtly pro-liberty solution. So what they did was they ended up from a marketing perspective going out and becoming top of mind to all of their target market. So who's their target market in this case? It's going to be predominantly the moms, the dads who are dropping their kids off at school or who have kids who are already in these uh, private or charter schools taking advantage of these uh, school choice solutions. So what they did was they did an intense marketing campaign showcasing that Andrew Gillum was against the school choice opportunities that were already presented to these these families. And they actually did these ad campaigns, Remzo, that were were just like your jaw would drop. They would have these kids, these poor little kids who they they've been going to this this you know charter school, and the parent <laughs> says, "Honey, I'm sorry." Uh, you know, with Andrew Gillum's new uh, proposals for school choice, um, we actually can't send you to school anymore. And you see the oh, kid just, man. the kid's lip starts to quiver and the teardrop. But that was hitting families and hitting these parents exactly where it hurt. At the, Number one, their kids' heartstrings. But number two, it's the happiness and the success of their kids. You are seeing across the board in Florida an uptick in, in not only the success of the students, but across the board, the approval of the parents from their overall value of the education that their children were getting. The only people who were upset were the teachers unions. So what happened was you had now all of a sudden this massive groundswell of people who were pissed and they went to the polls in mass for Ron DeSantis. And guess what? Ron DeSantis ended up winning uh, the the black vote, the Hispanic vote by numbers versus Trump that had not been done ever before by a Republican and versus Trump, it was like by 20 or 30 points higher. And the issue that they said in the exit polls and exit polls are a little if iffy in terms of actual data, but for a rough calculation on the exit poll nights, the number one issue for those voters were school choice. School choice is the reason that Ron DeSantis became governor. So think about it. If we can have a libertarian entering into conversations that are top of mind issues to people right now in their communities, that gives us an opportunity to give them a platform to number one, make a difference. But once they actually show the value of these solutions, people will then trust them on the bigger issues. So when Ron DeSantis, after two weeks of saying, hey, we tried this whole two weeks to, to slow the spread, but I'm actually looking at some of the top scientists in the world specifically, you know, these doctors from Stanford and Harvard, uh, you know, Dr. Bhattacharya, Dr. Gupta, they're saying that this whole lockdown stuff is a little iffy, you know, science. I think we should be focusing on protecting our seniors. So you know what? We're not going to lock down. We're going to say business owners, if you want to go ahead, you know, do your, your restrictions, you're free to do that do your own thing. And guess what? People trusted him. And he now has a seven, I think 74% approval rating in Florida. So you think about it, you now have a governor who, despite Republicans not being as popular as people would think they would be, he has that much credibility in Florida. And now he is one of the leading contenders for the Republicans in 2024 to be their nominee facing whoever it's going to be. If it's Joe Biden, God help us all, but likely Kamala Harris. And he likely has a very strong chance to win because he started out his entire career focusing on well, not his entire career, but his ascension to governorship as focusing on the issues that his voters were caring about. And if that doesn't speak to how important this actually is for us to apply it to the greater liberty world, I don't know what is. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down. Everyone thinks it's like this big existential philosophical question, but uh, I, I mean, I, I think that your average American voter, and this is shown time and time again, especially with like the Obama-Trump voter that you saw in 2016 that completely freaks people out. I mean, I think a lot of Americans are at the end of the day politically apathetic. It's yeah. not that they have the wrong stances. It's just that they don't have stances. And There's that's too much. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much to go on when you look at the, 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 the your community, yep. national issues, international issues, and then just the immediate concerns you have at home. This is a story I haven't said out loud before. I've actually said, well, I've, I've given hints about it, but I'll actually come clean about it now. In 2020, I was a split ticket voter. I voted for Donald Trump, but I also voted for Democrat Mark Warner for Senate. Here's why I voted for Mark Warner versus the Democrat. It's because my second no, it was like my first, second, it was, it, it was very early on in my army career. I had all of my issued gear. I had to fly with me from Dulles airport to Fort Knox, Kentucky to attend my officer advanced course. And during that time I had my orders paperwork with me, you know, I expedited TSA and everything else. And the TSA agent was a prick and he seized my gear because I had things that could not get through. So it was either he was going to seize my gear completely or throw away all of the issued equipment given to me by the army that I was ordered to bring with me. Right. And it was like, if I had shown up without that stuff, I would have been fucked because not only do I have to pay for it, but you don't right. get extra. And it no. actually like, it was a rated school. I would have immediately like, okay, you're, you're already at the bottom of the list. Like you have to excel at everything just to get by. So I'm like sweating bullets. My plane is about to leave in 25 minutes. Dulles is a big airport. By the time I'd gotten there, they would have just like ended boarding. My mom, a conservative Christian Republican, called Mark Warner's office, spoke to some staffer or something, and within 10 minutes... I got all my gear issued back and Mark Warner's office called my mom once a week for the next month, catching up on how, if they had heard anything back from TSA and everything. And then Mark Warner himself, and this is, this is in public documents, issued an investigation into harassment of military personnel by TSA. Now, do I like Mark Warner on 90% of the issues? Absolutely not. But I'm a man of honor and whether you agree with me or not, people, when, you know, years later, like six years later, when I saw Mark Warner on, on the ballot, I was like, you know what? You did me good and I'll help you out this one time. And I remembered that and I didn't tell anybody about it until right now. Well, and I don't regret it. Wow. Well, you shouldn't regret it because let's, let's take this on a micro scale, Remzo. Your, your example is not uncommon. And let's think about it from your local school or like, no, not even school. Let's just pretend um, you're a local business person in, in your community. It's a you know relatively decent sized community. Let's say like, you know, 50 to 100,000 people or so. And you've built a successful company. You're well-known in the company or the, the community. And you just happen to be a libertarian. And let's just say that you see that your incumbent mayor is, is retiring after five terms of running. You know, there are some 80-year-old fart and it's time for some change. Well, run. Run as a libertarian. Number one, you've already built the credibility and people already have some trust based on you building up 
this this business in your community. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be just a business, for example. But you know, I'm just using this as as you know for this this kind of role play here. But let's think, for example, if you were to run on again going to the hot button issue, you win, and then you can actually solve those problems on a micro level for the people in your community. Remzo, I mean. I'll ask you, if, if you had somebody like that from a mayor's level and you watch them move up the ranks throughout their career, would you feel compelled to follow them and, and support them as they, they were able to be voted for? Yeah, because it's building trust on a personal level. Exactly. It's amazing what people will let you get away with policy-wise if they like you. And that's a very subjective thing, but it's that's, a real thing. That's why people, they, they hate Congress, but love their congressmen. The numbers are insane. You'll, you'll see the average um, support for Congress is like less than 10%, but the average re-election rate and support of their Congress uh, people are over 90%. Numbers don't add up. It's it's like, oh, it's 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 always not in my backyard, right? It's, it's always somebody else. It's somebody so, else's congressman. Always, always. It, it's not my, you know, my corrupt politician. It's the other person's corrupt politician. Now, there are a few good people in Washington who are fighting the good fight. Folks like Thomas Massey, folks like Rand Paul, folks like Mike Lee. We need more folks like that. We need more folks, candidly, like you know Justin Amash back running as the Big L Libertarian. But we don't get there by just running Big L Libertarians on a national level because we haven't built that trust up yet, Remzo. And that's where I think we've really, we've really gotten our, our priorities um, out of out of whack. It's important to run national candidates who can help set the, the tone, set the message. But it's also important to run candidates who have built that trust. There's a reason that Republicans were constantly going from being old GOP Republicans to libertarian presidential candidates because they built trust. They built trust through the GOP. Now, is it the trust that we like? It doesn't have to be because it's trust. And at the end of the day, this is the rules of the game that we are currently playing. So they built trust with their average voter. People see former congressman, former senator, former governor, and that instantly has a level of assumed authority, and it's a, an appeal to authority, it is, but with that comes the understanding that they already were doing something of value in terms of governing, in terms of creating legislation, in terms of writing law or being in committees, right? So when they're looking to vote on the ballot, it's easier to stomach the the rationalization that you're voting for a former, uh, you know, former governor from New Mexico and a former governor from Massachusetts. You don't have to care about their politics. I think they are both. I mean, Gary Johnson easily is better libertarian than Bill Weld, and that, that's not by saying too much because Bill Weld, I don't know if he's really that's, a libertarian. That's not, that's not high standard. <laughs> that's good, not very high standard. <laughs> but to your average person, they don't care. At, at the end of the day. They're they're looking to say, okay, can I can I trust that these people are going to earn my vote and and use it like they're supposed to? If so, I'll give them my vote. But if not, well, then they need to earn it. So we fast forward a year, and I would I'm not trying to pick on Joe Jorgensen. Uh, I, I had her on my show twice. She's an amazing lady, but you have to earn. I'll say it. She's grandma go away. Why is I seem way more Spike Cohen than her? Like she's literally you know, disappeared. It's the magic libertarian hat trick. Get as just, much media as possible, take a bunch of people's money and then go away. So you just kind of hit me with what I was going to go right with Spike. Cause Spike, Spike's continuing. Spike's everywhere because Spike's he's on, a sales he's guy. He's on Fox business like twice a week now. 
Because Spike gets it. Spike's a sales guy and he knows how to effectively communicate the ideas of liberty to your average person. And I love Dr. Jorgensen. However, as a communicator to your average person, she's a professor and she would approach issues as a professor in a lecture hall explaining if you were to say, okay, here's the libertarian philosophy and here's our 10 glorious things we're going to go through today and the libertarian solutions to all these things. No, again, going back to the top of mind issues, talk about the, the issues that people are already having the conversations about with other people in their immediate circles. Go talk to people about the issues they care about. And that's what Spike was doing so well. Spike got hit so much. And I would say it was absolutely unnecessary because he went out and he would do the Black Lives Matter protests. He'd go out and meet with these these leaders of, of BLM. Guess what? He was building relationships and establishing trust with communities that we absolutely have common ground with. And we should be building communities of relationships and trust with. Look what the Maj Tory has done here in Philadelphia with Black Guns Matter. I mean, he has been doing a fucking awesome job at raising up. I, I'm walking through the supermarket and I'm like, wait, I just saw somebody's face I know. And I turn and it's Maj Tory's face on a magazine with a Black Guns Matter shirt on. You don't think that that catches people's he attention? Was, he was the last candidate to run for any office who I gave money to. I think he was mine too, honestly. <laughs> I think so. It's, it, was for, it was for his city council race. It was yes, when he came totally. to D, yeah, it was when he came to D.C. for a fundraiser. I cut him a check, and it was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, why not? Why not? And, and, and it's one of those things where it's like, you, you know, the, those who show up, at least get to say they did that. Yep. And you know, that that's the, that, that's the frustrating thing about a, a lot of libertarians specifically. It's like, we, we think that we think that we have to have everybody who's like us on board. And no, I can tell exactly. enough people like with campaigns, like, you know, the, the last campaign I like really managed was a city council race where my candidate who had run a few years prior as an independent was now being groomed to run as the Republican just to secure the Republican nomination in a race where literally nobody else wanted to run was like one of the most <sighs> retarded things I've ever had to encounter in my life. And I'm like, you have no other option. You, you, I mean, like you like him. You just don't like the fact that he wasn't a Republican until like a couple years ago. And he ran against <laughs> your guy who was also terrible. So it's one of those situations where it's like, you just have to show up. Like you, you don't have to, you don't have to convince people that don't like you to like you. You have to go to the people who don't even know who you are. Bingo, your target market. I was, oh, thank you, Remzo. I was just talking about this. With Angela McArdle, you are a mind reader. It's the aliens. We're, we're telepathically speaking by now. We're speaking um, through the collective consciousness. That's right. Or it's the little microchip, the, the uh, Elon. That's yeah. right. We already got ours. Um, Nanu, Nanu. Aha, how, did, how did you know? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> where were we going with this? I'm sorry. Angela. Oh, yeah. So I was just talking about target, Angela target audience. Yeah, yeah. So with the target market, I've been saying this to um, to Angela specifically and, and actually with Josh. I was just on Josh's uh, show, Break the Cycle, talking about target market. And it, I just is, remember the cheesesteak conversation. That was also a great conversation. It was. Um, it was also very painful because I, I can't have the cheesesteak. Not to rehash the pain. I have celiac disease. So I live in Philadelphia, which is the brother, brotherly love city, but also known for the delicious cheesesteaks of which I can partake in none of. So I can, I can direct you to good places. <laughs> um, 
However, I can partake of none. Uh, so, however, looking at our target market, uh, in the conversation with Josh, one of the things I was focusing on, and I've been doing this at my program as well in terms of who we're going to be going after going forward, and, I, and this is for the Liberty Movement. I've been going through data, so here's some free data for you guys, right? When we're looking at who we should be talking to, number one, we should be talking to Gen Z. Gen Z is overtly um, in the mindset of individualism. They make their own identity. They embrace the ideas of, of finding um, alternatives. Think about it. When you are a Gen Z person, your status quo technology is this little guy. Okay. So if that little guy is your status. He's, he's holding up an iPhone. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it actually wasn't an iPhone. It's an Android. Um, cause I am not one of the, uh, the, the, the drones, the Apple drones. I'm sorry. All right, all right. I know. I know. So if that's the status quo where you can literally go and look up anything on your phone and find any alternative to a product, to a, a, a service rate right the fingertips, then they're already in the mindset of looking for alternatives. So they already see the value of finding alternatives, finding a, an open marketplace. Now it's on us to make sure we, we harness that energy and attention towards the ideas of liberty because they can easily be harnessed to say, well, we can use this, use government to get these things done. And that's why it's important to talk to Gen Z. So that's number one. Number two, we should be talking to people who are hurt by COVID lockdowns, um, specifically small business owners. I, I know on the top of my head, and I'm actually, I currently have uh, about six or seven or so small business owners who were hurt by the COVID lockdowns, who I'm going to be doing a series with. And we're just going to be digging through the direct impacts of the COVID lockdowns and were they necessary for their business? What happened to their business? Um, are they able to recover? Um, I mean, Remzo, people don't realize that I think it was like of the, of the 60 some odd percent of businesses that were temporarily closed, two thirds of those, of those businesses are now permanently closed. So these people who have been so negatively hurt by the, the government lockdowns, they are an open audience right now who are looking for an alternative. Because guess what? Not only did their, their Democratic governors do this, a lot of Republican governors did this too. So they've been hurt by their incumbent vendors that they trusted, or they've been hurt by their incumbent vendors that they were just stuck with. And now they're looking for an alternative. So now it's on us to help offer the alternative. And then the third group of people I think we should be focusing on is, surprise, surprise, sales professionals and entrepreneurs, business prof uh, business professionals. Reason it, being- it, This is the part that when you spoke with Josh, it shocked the living shit out of me. And it shocked the living shit out of me, Remzo, because it, I'm not even, I'm actually just got goosebumps because this all happened within 24 hours. So I was going through and I was actually recommending books. Uh, Chris Spangle is, is uh, looking for some sales books. And I said, hey, he, well, here's a great um, person to, to look at. His name is Jeffrey Gettimer. He's a great author. He's got a couple of good books, uh, The Little Red Book of Selling, um, and then The Sales Bible, which is one of his all-time classics. As I'm on his website, I'm scrolling through one of his recommended books, actually, there was two of them. It was uh, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. I'm like, what? And then his like one of his favorite quotes was Ayn Rand. And I was like, hold on, what? And I scrolled through and like of his top uh, role models, Ayn Rand, objectivist Ayn Rand is listed number one on his list of people. That blew me away. Fast forward to the next day. This is all, again, less of a span of 24 hours. Another gentleman whom I'm a big fan of named Victor Antonio, um, he was one of the original sales guys who helped build up IBM, um, and he basically built their entire sales arm. And I'm listening to him. He was an appearance of him on another show. And all of a sudden, he's talking about some of his, his role models, and he lists Ayn Rand as well. 
And he starts talking about he's an overtly pro-capitalist. And I, I literally at that moment, I was like, this is it. Like, I, I got to dig into this. And I start looking at these audiences of these guys. And I mean, in the hundreds of thousands of for these individual podcasts. And I'm like, holy hell, here it is. Like, here's an untapped market of people that they are overtly libertarian or they at least understand how incentive structures work because they're sales professionals, number one. Or number two, they are embracing the philosophy. I mean, if these two sales leaders are like basically singing the praises of Ayn Rand of all people, right? Like, I would dare say that the people that they're speaking to are open now to those ideas and those people. So let's enter into those conversations with those folks because also, what do they have? They have the money. I constantly hear from my friends in the more establishment wing of the of the, uh, the Libertarian Party. Well, good luck, because you know what? If you're going to get rid of us, you're going to lose all of our awesome donors. Uh, hey, I guess what? I think I just found some replacements. I'm gonna I'm gonna leverage them like nobody's business. So oh, LP you, National, give me a buzz. Here's here's some like dirty laundry that the LP National doesn't want people to know. A majority of their high dollar donors are actually dead. Like that's not even a joke. Like they are they they were written into people's estates in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And because they have that dead people money, that's why they were able to at least pay off the the mortgage on uh, uh, on a LPHQ. Have you ever been to the headquarters in Alexandria? I, I, so I actually I walked past it. Yeah, it's a, that's not a cheap place to freaking no, go. Place. No, no. Now, now, why did they put it there? They put it there for the same reason that Amazon was always going to put HQ2 in Crystal City. They did it because it's good to be close to power. It means something when you're physically close to it. And that's why they did it. I'm not knocking them for it. I'm just saying that if they had gone 30 minutes south, they probably could have gotten a place they could pay off in five years versus 15, and they wouldn't have to worry about the money on hand. But what do I know? But like that, that's one of those situations where it's just like um, the, or, the reason, or time out, yeah. or it's it's the 21st fucking century, and you can move anywhere based on where it's going to be the most affordable because we have this fucking magical device called the internet and you can pretty much do anything from anywhere regardless of where you're located i'm sorry like i oh, ramzo i i get heated <laughs> because did you know no did you know that the libertarian party still sends out this like archaic newsletter to its members oh, like a, oh a physical I, I used to newspaper. get that it was the fold out it and still it's, is. It's, it's just the circle jerk it's just like, look at how good we're doing. We now, don't but, really have much to celebrate, but here's how awesome we are. Now, trust me, I've been featured in it, which is humbling. That I, there's a picture of me holding my membership card, smiling and saying, "You should sign up too." With my affiliate link that no longer works, um, but that's a whole different story oh, that, to go there. That is that is like it's only funny because. That this was around the time that Jess Mears, because I love Jess, She's I great. I went ahead and renewed for an extra year membership. She knew that I wasn't going to do anything, but she was like, "Can you do it to help me get my numbers?" And I was like, "Jess, of course I will." And I, I remember uh, getting that, and it, I'm just looking at this thing, and I'm like, "How much money on the postage alone is going towards all of this?" Like, my God. Oh, and then the affiliate thing happened, and she's like, hey, do you know about the affiliate? And I was like, I don't think I want to do it because I don't think people are going to look at me, and they're going to be like, he barely ever votes Libertarian. I'm like, yeah, so let's not do it. And then, like, two months later, that whole thing just crashes. I'm like, how many people have you pissed off for good? How many people are never going to want to work with you because you did that? Well, and, I mean, we're not going to go into the inside baseball today, but, I mean, that is exactly why – 
we saw the past week culmination here, and it's been exhausting, mentally, emotionally exhausting just to see this go down. But like Dave Smith did ask a phenomenal question on his program is what was the incentive structure in place right now for this to happen? And how did it get to a point that we've gotten to this point, right? And like, you have to reverse engineer to like go back to, and I, I, I still firmly believe this, Remzo, it is the little fish in little pond syndrome, the fiefdoms, you know, you have your little position. I am, I'm the vice chair of my county party. It's like, I don't, okay. Like, congratulations that I don't care. I won a putt-putt tournament when I was seven. That, that's probably more um, pertinent to like real life success and skills <laughs> than getting a leadership position for some like fucking County position for your like LP. And I'm sorry. I, I, I have, I have, I have a question. Has anyone from LP national reached out to you? Because they used to do, and they don't do this as much anymore, but they used to do like big activist calls like once a month. They used to actually offer more like in-house seminars and stuff that they could turn into webinars. Like there's a lot of stuff that they could do that has actually shown like, you know, positive feedback and results in the past. I feel like especially in a year following a big presidential election where you always see that big election year, presidential year boost in membership that you would do that. Have they reached out to you? Nothing. I and and you know I actually brought this up on Angela's show. Um, I I actually forgot I had brought this up on Angela's show until my uh, my awesome graphic design and video guy Hunter uh, he shot it over to me in an audio clip. He's like, "Hey, I've been digging through some of your older episodes because um, he he just went through a big move, so he's been moving a lot of stuff around. So he's like, "Hey, I'm going through some of your old stuff." He's like, "Check this a clip out," and I was in in my clip I forgot I had mentioned like I I had mentioned to the former chair that I would be more than happy to do anything in terms of helping do sales courses, um, you know, help do candidate trainings, something like that. I, I hadn't heard anything over a year and a half of that offer being made. And then, you know, I, I mentioned it to Angela on my show back at the beginning of this year. I'm um, just in passing said, Hey, if you end up winning, know that the service is available. I would be happy to have a conversation. And she said, oh my God, why did this not have a conversation yet? Okay. Uh, And like that was reassuring to hear that at least we have the, so we have a lot of really successful people in our immediate libertarian circles, in the private sector, in sales, in marketing, in in finance, whatever it may be. Well, well, let me put it this way. And I, I I throw this to like my commie, peers out there in the workforce and stuff. It's like everyone thinks that in the communist utopia, they get to be the communal artist. No one ever wants to be the ditch digger. No. Or the, or the sanitation worker. Yeah. And, you know, and that, you want to go and, be the one piling the, like scooping the, the shit every day. Isn't yeah. that the best job? Yeah. But, but it's like one of those situations where it's like, you know, there's so much like backstage work. Like that's the thing where it's like, you know, I, I am a backstage person at the end of the day. It's where I feel I thrive more. It's where I feel that I'm the most productive and I like doing what I do. Right. And I'm weird in that sense. And you're weird in that sense because we can do that and be absolutely happy. We don't necessarily it. need the attention. Yep. But that's the thing, though. There is so much backstage work that needs to occur that that's what terrifies people when they do it. Because yep. it's, it's easy to be the candidate. 
But it's really, to, you know, I'll say that with the air quotes. Like, it's easy to be the candidate, but it's hard to be the person that has to make the phone calls. Oh, well, so that's that's the part I think a lot of candidates aren't prepared for. And 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 honestly, Remzo, this is the part that just pisses me off, is you see so many of these candidates who they run for one reason and one reason only, and you know what it fucking is. It's that goddamn blue check mark. That's all they want. They want the blue twi- Twitter check mark to say, I'm the person running for elected office for Congress. They have 324 followers, and that will forever be the highlight of their life. They have the blue check mark. Now, I would I love a blue check mark? Of course. Would you love a blue check mark? Actually, no, I don't know if I want a blue check mark anymore. Motherfucker, I worked at I worked at parlor and I didn't even get a gold badge. (laughs) That's right. You didn't get a gold badge. I forgot about that. People are like, can I get a gold badge? I'm like, dude, like I don't even have one. I was I was the one I would I would would give it to other people too. And it's like you had to do that. And it's one of the situations where it's like, you know, people used to ask me, and it's funny because I know it's the same standards for Twitter. Do you know what you get from the blue check mark? Isn't like a separate news feed? Nothing. You get absolutely nothing. Oh, I thought there was. I thought there was like a special I, blue I, I think, check cur- curated so, feed or something. So you can you can do like block lists. Oh, uh, okay. You can do some stuff that you that is not as acceptable. Basically, and, and this is actually kind of true. Everything that blue check marks can get now that is exclusive to them gets put out to the general public a year later. It's just their it's their way of sample pooling certain certain features. But other than that, you get nothing. It's just there. It just says that you're you. You get nothing out of it. Well, going full circle to those aliens. libertarians, I aliens. <laughs> to those aliens who want the blue check marks, I say this to you, run libertarian. But for those libertarians who are running and they just want the blue check marks, stop it. Like and and stop letting hmm, I've had this thought in my head for the past week. We got to get the libertarian party like if if it's going if it's going to be a political arm First and foremost, has got to stop being this like this personal club. It's not. It's not a, a social club. It and it's got to stop them. And like this, like we, we we can't have this type of person in our in our midst. It's like we're a political party. Like look at the Democrats. You have Tulsi Gabbard literally destroy Kamala Harris on stage, and they're technically members of the same party. You, you had like Ron Paul obliterate Rudy Giuliani seven years after 9-11. Donald Trump stage. literally said that Ted Cruz's dad killed JFK. Like, and he got away shit, with that it. That happened. I forgot that happened. Thank you for still, reminding me. Of I that. still think about it sometimes. I'm well, like, man, if you called my wife ugly, if you said I was an adulterer and then you said that my dad killed the president, I would never work with you in my life. No. Well, and that's the thing is that like, so you but they have, hug each other. They take photos together. They would fundraise with each other. It's pro wrestling. I talked about this with the, actually, I talked about this with Jack Hunter, um, but also with Glenn Jacobs, ironically enough, who was also a pro wrestler, but politics is nothing but pro wrestling because what happens is you have, you know, Nancy Pelosi metaphorically take, you know, Mitch McConnell and do a suplex and then after the the people leave the uh, the audience, they stand up and they give each other a nice big hug, and then they go grab drinks afterwards because it's a show, and we're watching the show, and and we pay tickets to the show, and once we actually take a step back and remember that it's all a show, 
then it's easier for us to remember that the, the show that we're watching is being paid for by our stolen tax dollars. And they, they do this to keep us angry at each other. So we're not actually focusing on what's happening. So once we can start to get like the adults in the room, and, and I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you just want to govern better, just like the Democrats and Republicans. It's yes. like, no, you can, but you no, can. I, do, I, would, yeah. I would argue, yes, though. It's almost like one of the situations where it's like, some of these people, and, and, and you know, I'm picking on libertarians now because that's it. what I've always done. But I say, I say this with like many things. Like some of these people, like I'm actually surprised that they're like functioning adults. Like they can wipe <laughs> their ass and pay their bills on time. You're not wrong. Though, some, but that's and, the thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like we have to start. And I've, I've actually I said this from the very beginning is that nobody's going to take the libertarian party seriously until it takes itself seriously, and that requires us to put like actually credible, normal people front and center. Trisha Butler won her campaign for Clarksville, Tennessee, I think city commissioner by being a normal person. That was like the, the crux of her campaign, be a normal person, talk to normal people and meet them where they're at on the issues they care about. And guess what? She won. And, and anybody else can take that model and so long as they they take that approach and actually go out and do the hard work, and and we we didn't really focus on this um, as much as I wanted to, but like the back end stuff, Remzo, like it does require a lot of hard work. There is a lot of moving pieces and a lot of intricate sales and marketing that goes together hand in hand that has to be done, but it has to be done effectively. Yeah, let, it, let, let's pause yeah. here real fast. Like, Please. and and I don't know Karen Harlow's. I've never spoken to her. I, I haven't either, actually. Personally, no. But that woman can stay in that position for her entire life if she wants to. Because I see this each time, like since 2016, when she became like the treasurer or whatever, like people are like, oh, it's the pink haired lady that's pushing people away. It's like, no, pink haired lady is the only one who files the paperwork. Pink haired lady is the one that knows all the numbers. Like she's the one, like she's not, I don't think she, I don't know if they, if they get paid for those positions. I know. Star I don't Wars, think so. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think the chairman gets paid a dollar. No. So like I can only assume that. Karen, I might be wrong, but like, you know, she could probably be doing a lot of other things with her time, but she's doing one of like the least, like she, she, she gets like, no thanks for that. I would not wish that job upon my worst enemy, but she does it and it's necessary. Yeah. No, well, it, not only is it necessary, but now we're starting to see the importance of to paraphrase uh, a former chairman of getting good people to show up. So now we're, we're seeing that the LP does in fact belong to those who show up. Now it's a matter of making sure that as we start to really grow, and that is as a greater liberty movement in this liberty unity approach, that we need to make sure front and center, we're putting folks who, and I think it kind of goes into three camps. You have the, the Dave Smith folks, you have the, the Spike Cohen folks, and you have the Justin Amash folks. I think in those three camps, if you were to kind of do a Venn diagram, that would represent 90-ish percent of like people who I would self-identify as libertarians. I think the fringe 5%, like, you know, your, your socialist libertarians, what? Okay, sure. Like, you want to be the 5% out there? You're not my target market. You go play in fantasy world. That's fun. But like when we're talking about actually reaching real people, I think those three gentlemen um, would represent a majority of libertarians. So let's kind of coalesce there 
and focus on putting people in that model going forward of people who can actually, number one, articulate the message, number two, know how to meet people where they're at, and number three, know how to work in systems that are already present to make sure that we're able to get things effectively done. I see Dave being the phenomenal communicator. I see Spike being the phenomenal meeting people where they're at person. And I see Justin being the person who's great in systems. So let's focus on not you know using one person versus the other, but saying, hey, we have a great opportunity here to coalesce as a movement around three really awesome, unique individuals who have three very distinct skill sets and with that, we all have unique skill sets that we could bring forward. Remzo, you do phenomenal work with video work. I mean, your documentary, what, what was it with you and your brother, the, the ghost the, one? The Witching Hour. The Witching Hour. Thank you. Yeah, like I, I would like watch that at night when my, my wife would like already fall asleep and I'd like freak myself out. And I'm like, oh, it's Remzo. It's fine. It's it's just it's <laughs> Remzo. It's fine. He's, he's still alive. Um, but like I I think using your skills, you know, trying to bring my sales skills, looking at Chris Goizetta and his marketing skills, or Jeremy Todd, he does sales. I mean, we have people who are programmers, graphic design artists, musicians across the board. I think we need to start almost like a sub-libertarian economy of working with each other and really raising each other up. We have to stop focusing on where we disagree and instead Let's focus on, hey, you bring this value to the movement. You bring this value to the movement. Let's bring value together, bundle it the best we can, and present it to your average person who is looking for something else right now, the person who I would dare say is, yes, our target market, and let's give them something great, something that they can take away and say, yes, this is going to make my life better, not just like in 30 years, if we can maybe get some of these things done, but like can make my life better now. How powerful is that? To like show somebody a real tangible next step that will objectively make their life, their family life, like to make their community's lives all better. Like that is something that is so profoundly powerful and is a message that we get to articulate because we have the solutions. We know they work. But now it's on us to be able to effectively articulate those ideas, show people that when we meet them where they're at and we're able to implement these libertarian systems effectively, that we can really make some just amazing life-changing uh, circumstances for people that will really help completely revolutionize communities. We're going to see areas that have been completely wiped off. You know, like I see areas in the greater Philadelphia, Remzo, that it's like you don't even want to like the people don't even want to pretend that they exist. But like those opportunities in those areas, like for revitalization is never been greater because people are looking for that, like kind of, uh, you know, that heartbeat to come back again. We can be that heartbeat, but it requires us to actually start to talk to normal people and show them that we care. Yeah. Do you have like an extra 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. Okay, I cool. Yeah, because I because I want to really cover some of this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, de definitely covering more on the back end of it. What, one of the reasons why I have just completely pulled myself away from politics is because I was tired of being like the starving activist mm. living in my car, not, not getting anywhere in my life. And ultimately my life has gotten better when I began to just really focus on myself, developing yes. that wealth, power and influence that doc, that, that interview you did with Jason Stapleton, like a year and a half ago, it was like right before COVID it was like in February of 2020. Yep. I, I remember tweeting out that episode link that you two did. And I was like, this has to be, this is the nexus point. 
Like this is where people have to freaking change. Yep. And honestly, the people in politics generally who go the farthest and make the biggest impact do it twofold. One, they could do it because they have time. If you have time, that means you have money. That's why I don't count money as a point. You have the time to do it. If Spike was not a financially independent entrepreneur who had Bingo. time, he could not have done that. So that's a big thing. And, really, and hey, really quick, yeah. one of the quotes from Victor Antonia, the, the guy I told you about that was the rabid pro-capitalist Ayn Rand, mm-hmm. his quote was, um, somebody was he's yelling at me that money doesn't bring you happiness. He goes, no, money doesn't bring me happiness, but it brings me options. Yes. Like, I love like, that. Like that is one of those things where it's like, you know, money can't solve all my problems, but it'll solve a good, it'll solve, it'll solve a lot of my fucking problems. Yes. And now I'm And you'd rather have those problems too, by the way, the the problems that money comes with versus the ones that do not. When, when, when I have to wake up now, my, my worries are not whether or not I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I don't have right. to worry about that anymore. I'm 27. I don't have to worry about that. I'm extremely blessed. I don't know many people that can say they have that luxury. That's a luxury. But but yeah, I mean, time is the biggest thing. But the other thing is like all these people, they they basically run their own like guerrilla warfare campaigns, regardless of party. I can tell you that the campaigns I ran where I lost the worst were the ones where I depended on the party actually following through with things. Bingo. I mean, those are the people that do it. I mean, we're seeing this in Virginia right now. And I actually think that Virginia, I'm not going to say that Virginia is going to have like a Republican governor, but like, you know, Glenn Youngkin, who's the Republican who's running, like he's probably one of the first candidates in a while who like, I'm actually kind of like, man, I wish like, maybe I should keep my Virginia residency for like another six months to vote there, but I also don't want to pay Virginia taxes. So like, you know, so I salute you, sir. But like he ran a guerrilla campaign outside of the Republican party. No one really wanted him. And now he's basically like pulling them along. And he's like, well, I have to bring you with me. So I'm going to drag you the entire time. And he's doing extremely well. And yep. it's one of the situations where it was like, you know, he's in a position where he as a millionaire, he, he has the time, but he has the wealth, power and influence to be able to do that in a way that makes him actually competitive. The wealth, power and influence. So, I mean, it, this is the Jordan Peterson, you know, you, you have to clean your own room up, room up first. Uh, Gary Collins, your three-legged stool. It's your financial help, uh, happiness, your physical happiness, and your sense of purpose. Yes, building up the wealth, power, and influence. You you have to be able to, to build up your financial wealth so you can have the, that power to then have influence, right? It goes hand in hand. Um, but also, Remzo, I mean, you go, you kept on bringing up this, this gorilla approach to to politics and and honestly this is something that um that chris goizetta and i have been kind of doing um you know we're, we're currently working on some stuff behind the scenes with a few candidates in bringing this kind of uh punk rock approach to liberty in terms of campaigning and you know chris built up uh, his entire career working in the greater music industry um doing this artist management um punk rock you know approach to bringing uh, these these bands to top of mind and helping them become these massive uh, you know iconic bands that they are today. And if you're interested, definitely check out Chris uh, Goizetta's website. It's uh, Making It with Chris G. He lists lists off all these awesome bands that he's helped work with. I mean, literally, it's in the hundreds. Um, and he's also a professor, by the way, of marketing. So he actually knows what he's talking well, about on top of doing it. And uh, we look at the libertarian candidates, and we see some of these awesome candidates who they they. Like there are certain folks, and I'm not going to give any names right now, but there are certain candidates you can see out there running and you can be like, ooh, they, they get it. They have that, that, that spark to them. They just need help. They need, they need a different 
way of approaching things and getting on, on people's radars, getting into those conversations that people are already having. Sometimes that's the hardest part is, is finding the ways to get into those conversations. So that's one of the things that we've been talking about helping these candidates do is getting into those conversations, finding out, you know, how can we help, you know, get these candidates, not just top of mind to specific voters, but actually to, to, not just specific voters, but actually situations where we're having candidates actually going to have a chance to really make an impact. And that is going to be huge is that the making an impact part, because then it defeats the old objections we get, which is again, part of sales is overcoming objections. And one of the main objections is, well, why am I going to waste my vote for a libertarian? What like uh, it's a wasted vote because yeah yeah it, but that's almost a thing. thing though like they're not gonna like if, no it's if a real they, thing if they do yeah I, absolutely a hundred percent but yeah. if they do what you're doing people aren't voting for them because they're the libertarian right they're voting for them because of who they are and, Bingo. and that and that yes. I think is what really kind of encapsulates what what I was trying to say a moment ago which is yep. libertarians are going to have to win not because of the libertarian party but in spite of in it. spite of it yep. Yeah. Until 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 the uh, the Libertarian Party gets a focus, um, and that's the main thing too is that <laughs> when you look at libertarians, libertarians are rightfully weary of power structures, but we also need to rely on leadership. There is a difference though in somebody just simply wielding power and a person being a leader. People looked to someone like Ron Paul as a figurehead of the liberty movement, but also as a leader of the liberty movement. All those weird, petty bullshit differences didn't really matter as much when Ron Paul was the face of the liberty movement because he had that leadership quality to him that is innate in, in a good leader. People just looked to him and trusted. They felt trust towards this old, genuine, and very principally consistent person. I mean, goodness, I just tweeted the other day, we need Jon Stewart now more than ever. Look back to 2012, where he was pointing out when Ron Paul was being left out of being mentioned in the debates as being one of the top 3% uh, vote-getters for the polls. And I think actually it was in the vote uh, totals for uh, post-elections in the primaries in 2012. So there is a demand for people to look to leaders and to find people who are willing to lead and and do the tough thing, but also to say the tough things at times. And that will, I think we're going to see right now, Remzo, an opportunity for real leaders to step up in the LP. Um, I'm seeing across the board folks like Jeremy Todd, who is one of my co-hosts in the program doing sales. Um, he's going to be running for LNC, uh, I think, at large. Um, so you know, it's exciting to see people like him and others who are getting involved. And Harrison Kemp is running for office, another sales guy as well. So we're seeing folks who are sales professionals, who are you know professionals in these certain areas that are completely and absolutely necessary and sadly lacking now starting to get into positions where we are going to have some influence. So fingers crossed, man. I think I think if we can keep it up and we we stay on the solutions-based problem-solving approach, we will win and we will change people's hearts and minds. But it starts with us talking to the 80% of people out there who are your normal person, not the activist, not the, the left-wing activist that you're trying to convince or, or change their mind or not necessarily the right-wing person who you're like, but they agree with me more on liberty. Yeah, that's fine. But let's go talk to people right now who are experiencing problems. Let's solve those problems, help them understand that those problems were solved with liberty. And then 
win them over that way. That's been the most productive means of doing it thus far. I'm seeing it work in my circle of influence. I see it work in my day job as a sales executive. I know it works. These are tried and true uh, tested methods. So I implore people, please, if you want to just get the basics again, it's a briannicholshow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook. Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and include the link to the ebook in the show notes today so people can go ahead and download it immediately. Uh, Brian, you're doing Yeoman's work, really. I mean, I, I the, the idea of just like getting your shit together for a lot of this, I almost feel like, you know, now if, if you were to come in really and try and make a difference in the Libertarian Party as a whole, like, Things are things are better now than they were like even like five years ago. And absolutely, I mean, I'll you know I, I will say this about Nick Sarwark as a person, I don't like him, but as a chairman, he did a very good job, and I can almost never criticize any of the actions he made as a chairman in running and growing and developing and sustaining mm-hmm. the the, the liberty. You know, like, let's call it like corporate LP as a whole. It's like if he had just shut up and just done that. He would have, he, I mean, they, they would have named a building after him probably. Well, so like he was on, he was on Glenn Beck, which was awesome. I was like, way to go, Nick being on, I retweeted that episode. I thought it was great. And then, uh, Rand Paul endorsed Gary Johnson for his Senate run. Yeah. And, and I was like, way to go. But then he like makes it a point to go after Rand Paul or to go after Thomas Massey. And I'm like, dude, why? Like, why are you spending your time, energy, effort going after our 90% allies? So that's where I definitely, I, I had some very strong uh, divisions with, with the former chairman in regards to tactics. I think sometimes we need to focus on not letting uh, perfection be the enemy of uh, progress and good. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you're an asshole, people, if you could be useful, you can even do some good. <laughs> a useful asshole? Is that what you're saying? Right that's, I think that's what I just said. I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if it works, it works. Brian, thank you so much. I'll link to everything in the show notes. If people want to uh, learn more about your show and everything else, of course, it's here on the We Are Libertarians Network, but how can they follow you across social media and all that jazz? Thanks, brother. It's uh, briannicholshow.com. You can find me over on Twitter, Facebook, minds.com, and parlor.com. Is it still alive? Okay, okay, quick story. I I did not have access to my account for four additional months after it came online again because they wouldn't text me the confirmation code to get in. So I went in, and it is like RoboCops Detroit. It's like you're looking around and you just hear an echo and you're like, is anyone here? And then you oh. see like a little crackhead in the corner, like I'll shank you. And I'm just like, oh, That's I don't sad. know what's going on right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I th- yeah, it's it's there, but we should probably move on for our lives. Okay, well, either way, it's at, <laughs> at B Nichols Liberty. Um, so Twitter and Facebook, obviously, are where I'm most active. So yeah, on both platforms though, it's at B Nichols Liberty. Um, and I think it's right, yeah, right there on the Zoom for folks who are looking here on the, uh, the video version. And then for uh, anyone who's looking uh, at anything for Brian, Brian Nichols show, uh, per, uh, I almost said paraphernalia as if we have paraphernalia. We do have Brian Nichols show swag though. I'm going to get this show banned. Uh, Brian Nichols show.com. Oh no, th- this will get it banned. I had so that you, you sent me a link for the t-shirt, which arrived by the way, which Fantastic. you can go ahead and see on my Twitter. If you want to see this shirt folks, I didn't realize it was like a pride shirt. Is it? It can't Brian. It, it, it says, it says, it says life gets better and it came out in June. And when I wore it to go work out, somebody was like, Oh, you're celebrating pride. And I'm like, 
What? Oh, that was just a, that just kind of <laughs> happened that way again. Well, you're welcome. It's a good shirt. I love working out in it. Well, there you go. So Grimms was referring to his awesome um, suggestion he made. So he tweeted, it was like, hey, life gets better. And I said, Remzo, you put that on a t-shirt or I will. He's like, you have my blessing. Oh my gosh, I did it. was that it? That was it. Was that it? Oh that my god! So I, I got your blessing <laughs> and, and there it is. So life gets better. One and only Remzo Martinez. This is like a Christopher Nolan movie. It all just goes through a giant. Just, there you go. So yeah, if you want to actually find this like weird shirt we're talking about that people thought that Remzo was wearing for Pride Month, uh, you can find that it's uh, briannicholshow.com forward slash shop. So yes, it's um it's the Pro- uh, Proud Libertarian store, uh, and we have not only the the Life Gets Better shirt, but we have um these awesome Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People Stuff bumper stickers. Uh, we have uh, I love it. It's the Amazon Alexa Alexa Overthrow the Government. You can see over my shoulder here. Um, we have one for Google as well. So it's Google Overthrow the Government. Uh, we have our our question everything snapbacks uh good ideas don't require force bumper stickers we have t-shirts that say um uh, make conspiracy theories conspiracies again and a bunch of other fun uh filled stuff so yeah it, there's that and then the final thing of course i'm sorry i have to keep going buddy it's the brian nickel show patreon um that's where we're making the uh the empire of of liberty sales and marketing um so right now chris goizetta Yours truly and Jeremy Todd are currently in the process of implementing an awesome sales library of resources specifically for libertarian candidates. So that's going to be one um, solution that's going to be there for, for folks. So again, the Patreon. Also, we're going to have uh, levels for folks who, if they have any questions, it could pertain to your 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 business. It could pertain to you know anything you want to do for, for helping particular candidates just in Q&As and such. So we'll be having that. Uh, roundtable conversations. And then we'll also be having mastermind conversations with some noted Liberty figures uh, in the greater Liberty world who are you know, the leading minds in sales and marketing. So I'm really excited to see how we're going to be growing this Patreon. Also, a really exciting venture I can't speak about in terms of details yet, but I will just say this, that this venture that we're going to be doing with the Patreon, it will definitely get people talking in your immediate communities really in your backyard. It'll be meeting people directly where they're at. And I promise you that you will have as a member of the Brian Nichols Show Patreon, a direct impact in making it happen, getting liberty into people's real lives and messaging them quite literally where they're at. So I'm excited for that adventure. So stay tuned. Should be coming up here the second half of 2021 over at the Brian Nichols Show. I love you, Remzo. It's good to see I you, buddy. I can't wait you, to man. see you in July, man. This was This was a blast. Thank you for going over time. Always, brother. Well, hey, we're going to be hanging out here in July, and I cannot wait to uh, to actually get to meet you in real life, give you a big old hug, because uh, I'm a big old teddy bear. It's going to get wild, folks. It's going to get wild. Wet and wild pool party for yeah, your libertarian. It, somebody Ooh. might get arrested. We'll see how it goes. I hope not, because it's a, it, <laughs> my wife's going to be there, and we just that we don't want that. Isn't your fiance coming? Not, not for that one. Okay, smart. Smart, well, probably. She can she only tolerate Wait so until she gets the ring on first, bud. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, you know, everything's going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening in. And if you enjoy conversations like this, do me a favor, share it with a lover, an enemy, the strange guy at work, the homeless person up the street, the high school teacher you found on Facebook. Just get it in front of everybody. And please, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to the show across Al Gore's amazing internet. It costs you nothing, but it means 
means everything to me in this program. Thank you to Brian, our guest today, the broader We Are Libertarians network at wearelibertarians.com. And please, you can go ahead and support the growth of the Wall Empire at wallplus.com or We Are Libertarians on Patreon. I'm Remsen W. Martinez. Be safe. Be good. <laughs>